0: Welcome to Reanimated. This is episode 345. It's a, it's a big number, but, you know, just, they just keep getting bigger. Uh, I'm Stuart. I'm uh, one of your hosts. I'm in California. We're going to talk up today about uh, Tales of the Walking Dead, the last two episodes of that season, maybe the series. But with me, helping me do that is our inevitable co-host, H.A. Conrad.
1: Inevitable indeed. Hello.
0: Hi. You're back from the coast, right? I am. I guess you're on the coast still.
1: I am on the coast, but I'm back from the island. I did not get eaten by a shark, which is cool. And we're now fully into fall, um, or at least false fall, as I call it. Um... Which, you know, we usually get a warm-up in in October, but for now, it's feeling a little Halloween-ish, which I really enjoy. It's my favorite time of the year.
0: Grocery store certainly feels like Halloween right now. I don't know if you've been into one lately.
1: I try to avoid them generally, but yeah, there's been a lot of that. Weirdly, there's already Christmas stuff out. Oh. Uh, Yeah, like people just really jump the gun. It's like, hmm, I don't know about that. But uh, speaking of Halloween, uh, there is apparently going to be a Constantine... And yes, I'm going to say Constantine's sequel with Keanu Reeves again. And, you know, I I didn't like aspects of this, the original film, though I did like the visuals and I just wanted there to be some, a couple of more in-depth things about that particular character. I wanted it to be a little bit more in-depth. Um, but, you know, I can't, I can't argue with the lineup they have. I mean, they've got like some, some the original director and some J.J. J. Abrams involvement. Um, they've got Keanu back. I'm, you know, I, I liked Hell like like Hellblazer as a character is amazing and that's sort of, you know, it's a complicated character, so maybe they'll maybe they'll uh, you know, reinvigorate this with the sequel, but I'm pretty excited about it. It's
0: crazy um, it's gonna be like twenty years between the two films.
1: I know. He still looks pretty good though, so so let's see what happens. Maybe he'll be even grittier in this one. Um
0: I wonder if he's gonna smoke.
1: Maybe. <laughs> Yeah, it'll be interesting to see, right? Um, and then uh, but so more on that. Um, I don't know that they've announced much more beyond this, and uh, they did. There was a series, and there was somebody like, but it didn't really go anywhere. So unfortunately, like you know, we'll have to see what what they if they incorporate or not into this. That
0: thing. was a but, decent show, and the guy uh, I believe his name is Matt Ryan who played yeah, he was great. Constantine was was good, and he he's shown up in a few other things i don't know is it like doom patrol or maybe some of those is he a dc character constantine
1: um constantine is um he's he's in uh, one yeah, of
0: those comic book families he, right
1: but he's um i mean it was image comics so um Gosh, why this is OK. I will admit to you, I still am having some some COVID brain and it's kind of rough. Uh, and then
0: in Sandman, uh, not to give too many spoilers, but they had a Constantine adjacent character also, which I don't know what you thought of yes,
1: that. so It is DC then. So, yes. Uh, so, yeah. Um, and I haven't gotten I haven't gotten into I think I'm like two episodes into to Sandman uh, because I have to watch it solo. So, um, goodness,
0: how have you managed to wait this long? I know it's like you're a Neil Gaiman mega fan.
1: I know, but this isn't. Okay. So I have some, I have some issues with Sandman. So that that's not with the the original franchise but i think it's an incredibly difficult uh world to put into a live action show which is probably why it's been delayed so long um i do like some of the things that they they've done with it and i specifically the guy who plays dream like visually pretty pretty much spot on so there's some things i i love about it some things i don't but overall i keep I'm...
0: waiting for him to break into the cure lyrics Oh <laughs> well
1: i mean that's i mean exactly that's the sort of visual it's like a You know, and if you've ever seen uh, photos of Neil Gaiman when he's young, it's pretty much a representation of him, which is like, ooh, I don't know what that says. Anyway, uh, like, I think he very much wanted to be Robert Smith from The Cure, which is kind of awesome. Um, (laughs) But, um, you know, this is but but, you know, Hellblazer um, and Constantine, so is
0: Hellblazer and Constantine like are two sides of the same coin. Is it the same character? I don't I don't know that name.
1: Well, uh, Constantine is um, he is basically uh, he is Hellblazer. So that's the character. Um, and he was created by Alan Moore. And he's basically like a like detective warlock occult guy um and so there's a lot that they can do with him and um and sorry it was vertigo that that was their uh not image um that was their sort of like they would put him into like different like kind of crazy storylines and things like that and so originally i think he was like a side character
0: so he would just like come and moonlight in other people's stories so, had, yeah,
1: that's yeah. like kinda how he made his first appearance. Like uh he was basically in um uh I wanna say Swamp Thing was maybe where he started out in that storyline and then eventually had his own like his own sort of universe. Um but the Hellblazer character is kinda cool. It is definitely uh like uh, they, they and then he shows up in all these like different sort of like he makes these cameos these guest appearances were which are are pretty awesome um so I just think he's he's kind of fun um
0: well let's see if this movie comes together as as planned I'll definitely watch it um I I also I mean I'm not trying to you know, downplay Keanu. I think he's awesome. Uh, I'm not really interested in John Wick movies anymore, though, because I feel like after I saw the first one, I didn't need to see the other eight or however many they've made. Mm-hmm. But uh, I, I do. I did like his turn as the gritty uh, occult detective in the original film, and so I think revisiting that could be pretty fun.
1: Right. Um. And then one just sort of fun little thing about about Constantine, which is you know, um. They they went a completely different way in the in the films and whatever, but apparently there was a great admiration for Sting and that he looks like Sting and they wanted him to look like Sting in the comics, and I guess they were afraid that uh that it that they wouldn't that that Sting would be unhappy about it, but apparently he was quite flattered. But yeah, so like. Keanu Reeves obviously looks very different than that. And, so Tony and, Moore
0: likes Sting? Or what?
1: Uh I don't know if it was him or uh the artist. Um yeah. basically, like um they were all in agreement that they wanted him to just sort of make these like weird appearances. <laughs> um and uh, I think Alan Moore was like a more of an artist thing, and he was kind of like, okay, how do I, how do I fit Sting into like These storylines, or whatever, but anyway, it's just kind of funny. Um,
0: this is kind of like making uh, wee Huey look like Simon Pegg, and yeah, um,
1: kind of, kind of. Um, and then the other thing that really um, just makes him kind of an interesting character, especially given, I mean, like. it's so obviously so much different now, but he is quite fluid in terms of his sexuality. So um, he has relationships with everybody and, and it's, it's kind of, it's, it's kind of cool. Um, None of his relationships are generally successful, um, but um, you know, that's just sort of his character in general. So anyway, Um, he's got, he's that, that was something that was pretty early on a, a, a different thing to be portraying in a, in a kind of comic. So, and honestly that's a little bit like maybe they would have gotten there and maybe they'll get there in the sequel with this, with Keanu, but, uh, they didn't really delve too much into that with the first one. So, or the first one. Okay.
0: Well, yeah. uh, other, uh, news, we've got a couple of trailers that dropped. Um, I would say I'm not like super excited about either of these projects, but
1: they're a little weird. Uh, yeah. The, 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 French the, one is, the
0: French one is only really minuscule zombie related at all. Uh and I'll just yeah. let's start with that, which is called The Visitor from the Future, which I believe is based on a comic also. Hmm. Um, and it kind of plays with time trap like time cops sort of thing and uh co- Time travelers coming back to war in the present that if they turn on that nuclear reactor, it's gonna create an apocalypse. Well, there will turn people into zombies. And then there's based on the trailer, which was all in French, and I caught the first couple lines. Oh, <laughs> this
1: is this was pushing my knowledge of French. Like I had to rewatch it and I was like, okay, I got that. And it's like actually not that difficult, but
0: it's not um, too hard, but there's just yeah, a but lot.
1: basically, basically it's like You know, the the end of the world is coming. There's some kind of like thing that they have to change in the present to save the future. Uh, A lot of apocalyptic uh, visualizations. Um, Definitely some humor in there. A lot of
0: humor. It's going to mix sci-fi, post-apocalypse, zombies. So I don't know. Could be interesting. Could be cool. Uh, Eventually, hopefully they release it with uh, English subtitles at some point. Um, But I would I would be willing to watch it for sure. Yeah. And then there's the loneliest um, boy in the world. Uh yeah. what did you what did you think of this?
1: Um I honestly wasn't sure what to think. It's very weird and um slapsticky and a very like uh like a stylized um kind of vibe to it and a very like like kind of like a surreal vibe to it. Um but I mean and again there's like a lot of humor in in it. Um it felt very Tim Burton to me.
0: Um yeah, I I'd, I'd see that.
1: Um so it's got like, you know, and how they're kind of billing it is like as a a fairy tale with zombies. So it's like a gothic horror um, it really felt a little bit like I don't know if you saw the the Dark Shadows remake that Tim Burton did, but that's the vibe that I got from it.
0: I was feeling and some was, definite Johnny Scissorhands, Edward. Yeah, Not Johnny, Edward, Edward. Edward Scissorhands. <laughs> it was Johnny Scissorhands. Johnny
1: Depp Scissorhands. Yep. Um, but, um, it's, it's got like a pretty, like, deep cast um so it's it's interesting i just don't know honestly i'm not sure where to place this it's like it's definitely a macabre but like has a lot of humor in it and it's like got some weirdly nostalgic and sweet moments um yeah so.
0: it, it's nostalgic if you can look past the fact that this guy's probably digging up dead bodies and then just living with them in his house
1: because <laughs> he's lonely because so he's lonely
0: <laughs> um but i, I mean that it's might be got... the meta
1: plot You've just got a pretty big cast in there, like like a shockingly good cast in there. So I don't know if they all just saw this and they were like, oh, this seems kind of like fun. So we'll just do it, right? Um, but, you know, they, this is a whole thing where, you know, he's all of his friends that his dead friends that are alive. He's got to kind of keep it a secret and from everybody as one would. Um, but I don't know i I have a feeling you will not like this i I don't know. I wonder if we've seen the best moments in the trailer
0: yeah but... it could definitely be one of those but
1: right so uh but it does look pretty anyway, at least with the effects on the stylization so um so in any case, uh that is it for the news right now. um
0: uh, so let's uh take a take a trip down into Tales of the Walking Dead finish off that season slash series question mark
1: yeah so so speaking of stylization and homages um you know i think both of these are a bit of an homage to different horror genres so this is,
0: this is what i'm getting i mean maybe this was like duh but by yeah, the end the of this by the yeah, end of the series like, oh. you're like oh okay this is what they were doing the whole time mm-hmm. i don't understand why i didn't know that going into it uh and Uh, It's funny. It's been funny for me to reflect on how I've responded to each of them, because some genres I don't like as much. Yep. Uh, And I think that has really colored my reception of some of these episodes. Um, So the two we're talking about today are Devon and Ladonia. I don't know what you would call the uh, genre of Devon. It kind of felt like an M. Night, the village vibe. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Do you ever see that movie? Um, that
1: yeah, I did. Um, it felt like that, but it also felt to me like, um, you know, Tales from the Crypt, very much so, like those kinds of like horrory like genre, kind
0: of like a shows. Twilight Zone sort of thing too. Twilight
1: Zone kind of a thing with Tales to the Crypt, um, Tales of the Crypt, and like it very much had that vibe to me. Um, it was definitely it had a lot of Night Night of the Living Dead like imagery i think um just in terms of them going after him and and him being sort of the the focal point of this thing again the music
0: was was a big element too yep there's a lot of jazz there was a lot of jazz trumpet
1: yeah But. but there was also you know and then there's the um sort of uh there were there were things in it that i like wasn't quite sure what to do with like so, you know, to set the table here, the main character is already just kind of like this. Um, He has a head wound. We don't know what's happening. There's a lot. There's a big mystery from the get go for this guy. It's got this level of like stress to it because he doesn't remember what's happening, but is also being pursued by this group of people. And so it's like both him and the audience trying to put the pieces together. yeah, and he's um,
0: somewhat an unreliable narrator right until until the end. yeah, but because of his amnesia, which is a right. tired trope right? I mean, like... It
1: is a tire trip and, you know, I did... I thought it was okay how they used it here, sort of, Um, but the thing that I was having and maybe this is just meant, again, uh, meant to be in a different part of the multiverse or something like that, like, I couldn't figure out if these people that he was with were, like, a cult or, like, kind of like an Amish community or something, because it just... They were all, like, dressed in these kind of weird things and, I mean, I guess maybe... um and and there is a piece to this that I'll admit to you I, I didn't n- fully catch until I did sort of reading about this. There is a callback to something in the original series in this um, particular episode, um, which what I'm about to say then maybe connects it a little bit, but um, it felt only almost culty in a way that Jadis's people were culty. And one of the things you and I had talked about was wait how does this weird group of people like it hasn't been that long after this whole thing happened like how does this weird group of people suddenly have their own language and these strange outfits and like it takes a lot of energy to come up with these kinds of outfits um so i wasn't quite sure where to place these people and why this had happened or if it was like a completely separate world right
0: so Um, okay i don't know much about the uh french or the the main acadians or the this french uh dialect in the us which is apparently what they're also referring to mm-hmm. but um i know that there has been some work to like preserve the historical significance and culture of of this group of you know linguistically uh minority people in in the united states and so i can imagine that a amish approach to things like uh, you know, maintaining history, like making your own clothes, at least would that that kind of jives. It didn't feel too jarring that. for me.
1: That was just weird, and that's why it had the villagey feel. Like it felt out of yeah. time. Uh, the language thing, like, look around the border of like Canada and Vermont, you definitely have some people that are like, there is. I mean, up until sort of nine eleven and and other things, you used to just be able to like people would cross the border all the time. Um, and definitely in like uh, Quebec in that province um, there is the almost like I don't want to say like weird effort but a very stringent effort to preserve that kind of dialect um, which is archaic French um, and it's so you could that isn't beyond to me this is like that could make sense if you're like up on the sort of in the hinterlands of Maine that this could be the case Um, but the outfits and stuff like that i don't know I, it that feels too
0: much it
1: it it was too much if like to not explain why it was happening right like i just wanted sort of like why is this
0: weird community well, they, here? they don't, like they don't really talk about where when they are in the apocalypse either like if they could be yeah. 10 years after like like uh our current walking dead timeline is um you know, so in that case, well,
1: and I think it probably is because of the thing I'm about to talk about. Do you want to talk about the Easter egg that they throw oh, yeah. what in? What is here? the Easter egg? So the Easter egg is like when he pulls out that photo, there's like a PPP card, which is the yeah. one that um they found after Heath was missing. I missed
0: that. I saw a um, photo, but there was a PPP, or I thought it was six six six. I guess it is PPP.
1: Yeah, it was PPP, and so I think that's trying to connect it. So, I mean, we may see uh, Davon again, maybe in the original, like pop up again, which would be cool because, as you know, I am a pretty big fan of this particular actor from The Boys, and honestly, I was like pretty, um, um, in terms of of his acting ability and what this character allowed him to do. I was like, Oh, this is kind of, this is kind of a cool role for him. Um, and if he does pop up again, I'd be really psyched um, if he shows up in the, or one of the spin-off series, I guess at this point. Um, but um, what did you think?
0: Uh, I'm sorry. I'm just kind of, my, my head is spinning about this potential connection between Heath and Devon. Um, what, what did I think about the entire episode?
1: Yeah, I mean, I just think uh, that as an actor, this is a pretty cool one for him to have. Like, uh, yeah, like, like Jesse Usher Jeff- gets to stretch his legs. Jesse Usher bit. is like just doing a great. He did a fantastic job
0: in this, and you uh-huh. know, his character is pitted against. Like, he has a he has one perspective here, and that's kind of a lot about the the start storytelling drama is here. Aside from his amnesia, is he's like, hey, I don't want to hurt people. Uh, the only reason I would ever hurt someone is if I was at th- you know at, if they were threatening to kill me or trying to kill me, uh, right. and that's kind of his driving uh, morality. And yet, uh, you know, throughout the story, that that keeps getting brought back mostly through flashbacks of this woman Amanda saying, "Sometimes murder is mercy, and sometimes you got to murder." And, right. he- <laughs> and he's like, "You know, I don't, uh, I don't really, I don't really believe that." Um, but so Jesse Usher in in attempting to like. He plays a very moral character and it's nice to see that as a result as also in contrast to A-Train who is morally um, bankrupt. Yeah. And...
1: I mean, and then with with Jesse Usher was I think when he was talking about making this, he was also giving given very limited information. And I think deliberately because he is supposed to be this person with amnesia um, and he played it to the hilt. And I think it was deliberate, not revealing a ton about him other than the things that you're talking about, which um, he's a very Dale like character. And I'm wondering if maybe they're going to connect him with Rick, given that he was taken in a in a similar fashion fashion by uh, Jadas, um, and so I like I'm I'm hoping he pops up again because that would be really I would be really excited to see Jesse Jesse Us- Usher in the future.
0: Well, there I mean uh, if you take the series as a whole and all the survivors who are left and throw them all into a season of Walking Dead, well that would cost a lot for AMC, but it would be super cool. A lot yeah, of cool characters, definitely
1: definitely very cool. So, um. And I would like to talk about the, the cinematography, but this was great. Um, oh, yeah.
0: What did you think of those flashback scenes? I
1: thought that they were pretty good um, and they got the job done. Very horror feel- feeling to them. The audio um, was
0: uncanny, right? It was yeah, so good. odd.
1: It was really odd and good. Um and I did like the reveal. Like you're like, oh, did he kill this person or this person? Um, the woman who plays Amanda um, and Beth David, she's David's. She's awesome. I've always loved her as an
0: actor. So I know that name. Have we even talked about her on the show before?
1: Um, well, I mean, she was in Army of Darkness, um, but also in Matilda um, as Miss Honey uh, in one of her more benign roles. But um, she she's amazing, and so. I really I was excited to see her in this. Um, but you know, they did a little switcheroo. Um, I will say from from the the gecko, um, you know, I like I don't I think that the the creepy kid no or whatever his name is, mm-hmm. uh yeah, he was he was setting off the creepy vibes for me from the from the beginning, but um it
0: was barely in any scenes. I guess if I had one criticism or or note for this episode, it's that I wanted more of it. I wanted more backstory.
1: Yeah. Uh, but I think it was deliberate to keep you sort of on your toes. The one, the other thing that just didn't jibe really with me was like, you know, they, de- they definitely have like a thing where it's, you know, they're making a judgment about, I mean, there's clearly like, we're, we're talking about death penalty issues here in the innocence project here. There's like all that like very like big signaling about that kind of thing in this, in terms of the morality of this community and you know, about, um, punishing people that may be innocent and, you know, and he hits, you know, I think they hit it over the head, hit you over the head with it a little too much at the end where he's like, you were going to kill me and I was innocent. And what would have happened if he had killed again? It's like, yeah, no duh. Um, but it, like, and their method of punishing him, you know, like feels a, like, is this what they do with everybody? Like, do they have How random?
0: Many- how many vans do they have? Right. And, like
1: do they have random camper vans hanging out? And then the fuel to that's involved in like running a piece of equipment like that. Well, like, I think <laughs> they, they <laughs>
0: learned their lesson on that though, because by the end, the, when Arnaud is revealed, they just throw him in a hole and then walk away. <laughs> well, zombies. that's an
1: obvious, but that would have been an obvious way to anyway. Yeah. Um, So there were things like that. However, I did like the, the noir feel to this whole thing. Um, the way almost all of this except maybe one or two scenes are in the dark um, or at night and um, you've got the strawberry scene and you've got like a meal scene but it's still very like desaturated in color because even the even the daytime scene where he brings strawberries um, to Nora like where uh, Devon brings strawberries to Nora is raining right So it's still not like you don't really get any sunlight in this whole entire um
0: yeah
1: like uh episode which is kind of cool um and then where
0: this was shot but the grass was all brown too so i have a feeling it was winter wherever they were and it was so i think that probably lent Um, itself to the lighting a little bit
1: but but overall i really liked it i would love to see more of his adventures i'd like to see him like more revealed about him so maybe we will see him down the line and i really hope we do because um i just I I want him cast in so much more, <laughs> and it's it's very cool to see him outside of the boys. So I also
0: kind of feel like this episode. I don't know, maybe maybe I'm uh, off the mark here, but there was, it, it's definitely a story a little bit about xenophobia. Um, oh, yeah. and they there's like one black character in the town that I see in the background of a, of one yeah, shot. But other than that, he's the only one. He's the only black character they don't make this overtly about racism and i feel like tv often does this is like handmaid's tale it's like well we're a post-racial
1: dystopian
0: mm-hmm. future and i'm like well sh- you know bull yeah. no way uh and i feel like shows just don't like to head-on approach that and walking dead i don't think has done a lot with even though they have such a diverse cast have they had any like neo-nazi are like you know racist white characters who are just pro- persecuting black characters i don't feel like i'm you know, mm, forgetting uh, something.
1: well other than you know daryl's brother
0: right okay uh, so girl. earlier on in the in the series they definitely had some of that and it was t-dog and yep. uh yeah etc and he
1: was definitely after you know that was the only that's the the one that i can think of off the top of my head But
0: does, doesn't it feel like i'm not saying there's an opportunity to tell a, a, a story here that is pretty obvious in our country like it, it just it just feels like there's an elephant in the room that they're not even addressing and instead of of, of his you know final message being like you judged me too quickly and uh, just just you know how you should feel bad about that it why isn't there anything like you know i just don't look like you guys so you know screw you for uh judging me based on on that i don't know it just felt like the show did not try to approach yeah, that head Yeah,
1: it, it didn't go enough in that direction. Um, one thing we didn't talk about, which I think was one of the most traumatizing things, is like when he wakes up in this community, they've amputated his leg. Uh, and that's like... So had he they had a, or... A, I think they did. Did they, they saw
0: did. it off? I, yeah, I think yeah. it was one of those flashbacks, maybe. Yeah, yeah so and, he's, and he's that's
1: like, you know, another part of the trauma in all of this. It's like, well... They went through a lot to basically keep him alive, although it's a pretty traumatic thing since he doesn't really remember. I mean, maybe this character just has a lot of problems with memory. I don't know. (laughs) But um, in any case, like the fact that he wakes up and he's having to rehab, he's there for a really long amount of time rehabbing with this leg. Seven weeks, yeah. So um. anyway, so so I agree. I think they could have done more on that end of things. Um, but I feel like they felt like they were to some extent, because, again, this is similar to uh, Night of the Living Dead, where it's, um, you know, that he, there's the only black character kind of like um, yeah. being persecuted and telling his truth. And it's it's a commentary. So maybe they feel like they didn't need to do it in in that. I think Attracted. it just needs
0: to be done. I mean, I know we had two white people running the show. Channing Powell wrote it. and Michael Satrasimus yep. shot it. So maybe they felt like they didn't have permission or some on some level to, to tell a story that fraught. But it, I mean, it, I just feel like showing it. And in the same in the case of Night of the Living Dead where Dwayne Jones, I believe is his name,
1: mm-hmm. right?
0: Well, that, that part was not written for him or for a black man. It was written for anybody, right? And they just cast him he was he read well i assume and we've read uh, interviews with romero that said that after the fact mm-hmm. and so like that's another missed opportunity because clearly we can ascribe all sorts of meaning to the fact that he was the only black character in a white cast right. um and the the way he goes out is is definitely has all the hallmarks of right. of summa- summary execution
1: right. and,
0: and xenophobia but they don't actually say with it head-on and so yeah. i just feel like it's the same sort of thing here yeah Uh, I I also want to take umbrage with Jesse Usher's pronunciation of French.
1: Yeah, well, you know, (laughs) it's also it's also like archaic French, which is pretty difficult.
0: So but he's like Givere, which is I will see. And then in the end, his final his final words uh, to Nora, his sort of girlfriend. And then she became one of the lynch mob was Givere, which was I have will see.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I know. It's not good. (laughs) <laughs> uh but anyway um but but overall though i did like the episode and i liked the feels from it and again i just hope that it's the beginning of seeing this character maybe down the line so maybe with rick it'd be even better um so and then maybe like i know i know that he think the question keeps coming up but um uh, you know maybe we'll eventually figure that out so
0: um yeah this episode also deals with a serial killer who's killing children storyline, which is part of the, you know, like intricately part of the, the issue. And uh, maybe that's a callback to, you know, the prison storyline with the serial killer yep. there too. I think, you know, there might be something there, except that guy was already a, a prisoner and, and totally insane and probably wasn't killing them because if he was worried about how they would end up.
1: No, I mean, well, and I think that that's a commentary about, you know what this world is what it is to people what it does to people's minds Mm -hmm. um and then which is which is interesting because the next episode plays on that too um so um the next episode is very much a haunted house episode this is Um, a
0: definitely a different genre yes
1: Um, without question um and it's uh there's a lot of questions I have about it, but overall, I thought that was it was. But there, there's some things I think weren't answered about it. But, um, basically, uh, Ladonia is the uh, name of the episode, and um, this this heads into the supernatural kind of world and very much a haunting. I don't want to say haunting of Hill House, but like a haunting episode, um, which starts out with um eric and idalia um and they are taking refuge at this woman's house who is a bruja and it's even from the beginning it's a little questionable about how they figured out where this was uh Dali, like she somehow knows this is there but they're being followed by a walker named maria which they haven't taken out which is kind of weird um
0: yeah because it turns out they have weapons i was assuming that they didn't but they were also they easily do. able to stay ahead of her. So, because she had a broken ankle.
1: Right. So- but, but it's all like, and there's a lot of things about this episode and similar to the last episode where they're revealing things about the characters. Um, and you know that there's a lot more like sort of happening under the surface. Um, they're, they're finding their way to the house. There's definitely, you know, she, she keeps saying we can maybe only stay one night. Um, she's hearing weird whispers in the woods. You don't know whether this is because like she's mentally ill or something like that. Um,
0: you feel and, like she was hearing whispers before they got into the house?
1: Yeah. Um, she and did on the
0: porch, but I don't think I heard anything.
1: She heard it on the porch, but it's like even them finding the gate and, and getting in here, the fact that this place exists is weird.
0: It's in the um, middle of nowhere. There's like not even a road.
1: Can we also talk about the number of candles that are going on in this house? A lot um, of
0: candles, a lot of crucifixes. A
1: lot of candles. Um and fire hazard. You know, they they are going through the house. And I guess my question is, is is the Bruja, um, um, La Dona Maria, is she actually Alma. Alma, sorry. Um, is she actually alive? Is this a hallucination huh. that from the beginning?
0: Well, this is, yeah, you don't really ever know with one of these kinds of horror stories. Mm
1: -hmm. Uh,
0: Certainly she seems alive when they first meet her. And then she chokes to death, which is like, what a way way to go.
1: And I also thought, like, did she choke? Did he poison her? Like, there's a lot that's revealed about these characters where you could see that being the case. And I Mm. felt like that was a little bit of tension that maybe, like, Mm. like, Dolly knew that he had poisoned her or she had. I don't know, but... Um, The whole thing is very odd. Um, And but with her death comes this idea like that, you know, Eric wants to stay in the house. Dolly does not because she feels like it's bad juju. And it clearly is clearly Um, is. But, like, I do like how it goes down this path where you don't know what's real or not, um, where it's like playing with their heads.
0: It's it's kind of uh, asymmetrical, too, in how it plays with their heads. At first, it's it's Dolly getting like more visions and hearing uh, Doña Alma. Um, mm-hmm. and, and Eric seems completely fine. And then he gets his parrot buddy. But like and within a day or two, he's actually even worse than do- or They're like kind of similarly as bad right. as each other uh but they it, i kind of like that that construction that they kept going back and forth with who was more lucid uh, and right. it, it was never until the very end i think neither of them were were completely batty at the same time
1: right and i do like the mechanism that they use the the parrot the parrot says creepy things all the time i gotta tell you i don't know that i would ever be excited to find a parrot
0: especially uh-huh. a parrot that can speak spanish and english
1: right um but also they're really loud and you know the parrots that live in our neighborhood which are like resident in the cemetery here are really loud and annoying and i just like and then to add speaking into that and saying weird things to him is it's it's pretty creepy like i did love the visualizations of this the creepiness of this like you never know um what is real and what is not. Um, you reveal more or they reveal more and more about these characters and their connection with each other. um and eventually yeah, and
0: that's I think an issue for me with this episode is like it feels long a long time into the apocalypse. They're very comfortable, sort of they're pretty comfortable right. with zombies, as they call them sleepwalkers. Mm-hmm. Um, so the like the crux of this is that they have done something terrible right before they came to Doña Alma's house. They uh they have a, a stain of guilt on them. Um, They're even got the, they have the blood of their traveling companions on them was as they arrive. Right. Like that's one of those reveals. Yep. Um, But like were they were they terrible people before that incident? Is that the incident on which they're being judged by this? You know, this is a horror trope, right? Like you've done something right. bad. You're going to pay for that. Uh, And that's the crime that they're getting punished for. Not so much that Doña Alma's dead. I mean, also that they're squatting in her house. Right. But were they terrible people before they killed their five traveling companions or however many it is? Uh, I, I kind of want to know more about their backstory. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like,
1: <laughs> Yeah. And I did. I wish they had revealed a little bit more of that. But I think that that's a that's kind of the I don't know that they could go too far. Like I thought there was going to be some big reveal at the end or something. And there wasn't where you figured out that they had done these things or there was going to be some flashback to what had happened more specifically with the traveling companions and you know from the get-go you feel like there's something underlying like their motivation and that they're not good people um because of how they end up here and Donia alma is like i don't really believe that you live near here how did you actually find this um and there is an untrustworthiness to them that I thought that, that they were going to be a little bit more direct about what they had done, right? Um, but they never get there. They just punch them <laughs> for, for you know, the little flashes that we see, which is basically that they killed their traveling companions.
0: Um, yeah, and you don't get a great vision of that because it's like flashes of Eric look, seeing himself like pistol whipping them to death, basically, <laughs> as they were running around him. Not not a whole lot there. It didn't look like an actual fight.
1: But in terms of like the horror visuals in this whole thing and the haunted house visuals, they do a lot with a little just sort of like they deal with the cameras, um, the, the sort of uh, photos that pop up. And that I thought was kind of weird.
0: Tiny Jesuses.
1: Um, well, the tiny Jesuses attack uh, Dolly, which I thought was, you know, creepy. That was felt um, like some
0: Sam Raimi stuff, didn't it?
1: It did, definitely. And especially the uh, the resurrection of, of Doña Alma out in the yard, which they see her like clawing up to the earth. That is very much, that felt evil dead all the way, no? Um, just that resurrection. And so I, I feel like they kind of threw everything but the kitchen sink at us in terms of this particular genre. Um, but one of the more, to me, one of the more effective horror elements is like the the photos that keep popping up in these frames that are like of them sleeping in the bed. Which I was like, ooh,
0: that was creepy. Like, the fact that Donya like uh, Dolly, had set up an altar for Dona Alma to like try and, mm-hmm. you know, plead with her to to let them be okay, uh, and the picture changes on the altar yep. halfway through the episode. And you're like, oh, yep. and yeah, the jump scares of like the uh, silhouette of Alma next to the bed as she wakes up. Um, mm-hmm. There's just it's like kind okay. of hits you nonstop.
1: It does. But the pieces that I don't fully believe is that, you know, Dolly's already feeling creeped out by this from the get go. I mean, the minute you see that picture change, I think you'd probably be out of there. Yeah, I assume well, think...
0: she was all ready to leave that one morning and then uh, there's a zombie at the front gate and they just don't leave. They right. stay there an entire extra day. Right. which, which just doesn't it. really compute unless this was like a compulsion. Right. Yeah. Which it could be.
1: Maybe. Um, but then the other part that just didn't I didn't fully buy was that if you're in this creepy house, you're seeing a ghost over your bed or whatever, um, you're not gonna go down into this strange basement root cellar thing. The I don't think actual I'd ever roots. Go, I don't know that like especially, you know, whether it's a nightmare or no, like the first nightmare she had down there about uh Doña Alma coming after her in there, I don't think you'd ever go down there again, ever. Um, I think you would just, you know, just Get, get the heck, and actually, even out of after that incident, I think you'd just leave that house forever. There's no way you're staying there.
0: Yeah, they definitely so, stay longer than they even intend to, you know, right. clearly.
1: Um, and then the part that I just don't, the, where I was like, well, maybe Alma isn't um, isn't necessarily maybe she was already dead or something like that, but like, you know, she banishes them to the basement, which is, you know, uh, the and and they're 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 sort of the the end of each other in terms of like they take out each other, and both of them are sort of accusing the other one of being more paranoid or messed up or whatever. Um, And it's I feel like Dolly can see Alma and maybe Eric can't. um, so because he keeps saying like that that Dolly is causing everything. So, um, it's they they leave this sort of like untrustworthy feeling. About these two characters, but also the with the, how the characters are feeling about each other, and I thought that that was a really interesting way to go with this story
0: they were so. they yeah, they had moments of like real charm to them too though and and like that they they seemed to like each other and um Dolly seemed sweet with Doña Alma when they first met. She didn't seem like a terrible person too right and Eric you know off and on too and he i feel like a couple of times he said something to dolly like look we were just surviving and don't put all this on me uh we were we were doing it all together so he kind of has they they both have these moments of like vulnerability and um i thought that was actually really good writing for to to maintain like a a thread at least of these are redeemable characters Despite the fact that they, uh, well, they're not, or at least Dona Alma doesn't feel like they are because they don't get redeemed. They get dragged into the root cellar and stab each other to death.
1: Yeah. And, but anyway, I did like, um, I thought that these two played it very well together and But this plays upon the psychological horror of both living in this apocalypse and thinking you found a safe place to stay. And it's actually the most dangerous place you could have ended up.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that's a good point, because they were so excited. That's why they stayed. Right. They were like, we have walls, a gate. We have this house with food and like millions of candles, all the crucifixes you could ever want. Mm -hmm. Uh, But clearly was not the right place to stay.
1: Right, and I do like the sort of like there's like a fairy tale like morale like you know Alma offered them a night to stay, she was gonna give them like blankets and stuff for the road, and they can't leave it there. You know what I mean? Like it's sort of like don't look live, look a gift horse in the mouth, and they just especially Eric wants more, and ultimately like that's when she she kind of dies and. It's you know, I guess the question is if they had actually left, would they have still been haunted? maybe because she's a bruja. Um, but there's there's certainly payback for the fact that they have repaid this generosity even of the meal and and of the one night shelter with um, you know their their sort of selfishness and and they're not gonna. I I think even if they had even if they decided to take this storyline outside, I think they would have ended it in a bad way. Like maybe I kind of I kind of thought that they were going to get out of the house and then eventually like get taken out by another group or something like that, that there would be payback from Alma regardless. But there is definitely that feeling like if you were if you're acting in a poor way, you will be punished. And that's it's kind of like. It's kind of I don't want to say the moral of the story, but their sins catch up with them. ultimately.
0: Yes, that they there definitely is that that horror. Oh, yeah, you've sinned. Therefore, now you must punish. You must uh, pay. So uh, let's that's I feel like we've covered this episode and these two. And and now looking back at the six, I don't know, like, like just looking back, taking the series as a whole. What are your impressions now?
1: Overall, I really liked it. I think it was thinking outside the box. Um, You know, I think it's kind of fun within this universe, but I do feel like, you know, and maybe there won't be an explanation, and maybe this is just to give people a little bit of um, creative license um, with the Walking Dead franchise, but um with you know there's things that definitely do not fit into the storylines that we've seen in the original series and some of the things or maybe they're just trying to to set the the table for sort of some of the the newer um shows that are going to come um to maybe give you sort of like maybe, maybe like prep you for the fact that it may not completely adhere to things um I think that overall, I really enjoyed it. I thought um, that the sense of fun, especially in the first couple of episodes, I really liked seeing it in that context. Um, I know that some people haven't been thrilled with it overall because they're basically, well, that's the point then. It's basically Twilight Zone and The Walking Dead or something like that. But, you know, I think that it, there's been a lot of the same in some of these different, in these series that we've seen. And that was, it just felt very, you um, like we were retreading the same ground. So I like the idea that they were looking at stories in a different way. Um, I like that people got to stretch their legs a little bit, basically to flex a little bit um, in terms of of these kinds of um, ideas. So overall I'm in favor and I would, I'd be happy to watch another little series like this. Um, I will be especially happy if we do see Jesse offshore down the road. That's, that's the sort of like moral of the story. And honestly, I would like to see like, if we saw some of these other characters. If we saw Evie and Joe, that would be pretty cool too. So. Yeah. I don't know. What did you think?
0: Uh, yeah. I'm a little twist, I'm a little torn on it because I think I like the first two episodes the most out of the whole thing. And so I was started off on this real high. And mm. then um, I, you know, I, I liked the alpha episode and i mostly liked the last two that we just watched um yeah probably more enjoying the Devon episode than the Ladonia episode this was the thing that i was talking about at the beginning it like kind of challenged my uh, bias a little bit in that i there are genres that i don't like as much as straight up zombies which is why we have a podcast about zombies as opposed to horror right or for me at least um there are versions of horror that I'm just not that engaged by. And I would say that the La the bruja style of scary old lady uh, haunted house is not something that really triggers my uh, serotonin or whatever. Um, is that the right chemical in the brain? Um, doesn't it's not it's not making me happy like like straight up zombies do. And so for that, I'm grateful that there was an alpha episode in here which felt very familiar. Um, and cool, even though it had its own issues. Mm-mm. But then I also enjoyed the getting taken out of that uh, comfort zone a little bit, uh, like you mentioned with the the first two episodes, which did just have that lightheartedness that is very hard to find in The Walking Dead. Right. Um, um, so yeah, I, I don't know. I, I'm kind of uh, torn on it, but it, overall, I'm glad. I'm glad it exists as a as a series. Um, and I think Channing Powell has a, a very eclectic hand at the tiller. Uh, mostly represented by like the music choices I feel like that ended up in these episodes and some of the other decisions that, that were getting made. Yeah, but good showrunner.
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, so what do you want to talk about next?
0: You want to do day shift?
1: Sure, we can do that.
0: So, thank you for listening to this episode of Reanimated. We talked about the last two episodes in the uh, inaugural, maybe last season of Tales of the Walking Dead, Devon and LaDonia. Uh, if you have thoughts about those episodes or the series uh, as a whole, uh, holler at us, uh, it's great to get emails from you guys and, uh, we do read and respond to them. Um, and so give us a holler. You can reach us at reanimated podcast at gmail.com or on Twitter, reanimated reanimatedpcast I will be honest. I'm not doing show notes as frequently on Squarespace these days. So, um, you i will be putting the things that we talk about mostly will be going out in our twitter feed and if you want to get at us we can uh, we can talk about it there uh so join us next time we're going to come back and talk about day shift vampire movie on netflix with jamie fox and that'll be coming up in our next episode but until then i will say toodles
1: ciao